This whole semester, we've been examining uh, this idea uh, that we have uh, for our mission, which is love God, love it. You don't even have it on the screen. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, love God, love others. I mean, it sounds really simple. It's easy to say that. It sounds really nice. And it's even the simple way of saying what Jesus actually said, which was love the Lord your God with all of your heart in all of your soul and all of your mind. And he said the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we so say that as love God and love others as being the most important things. Because he said himself that all of the law and all of the prophets hang on these two commands. Uh, which means we can take everything else and distill it down uh, to one of those two things. Um, and so we actually came around uh, last week to talking about loving God by committing to Him in baptism, and uh, that's a baptism is a is a really um, extraordinary kind of thing, um, and it's something that uh, different people have different doctrines about. We've talked about doctrine and what doctrine is. Uh, doctrine being uh, just what you believe about something. What? How do you? How do you believe? How do you practice? Um, and and tying that back to what Jesus said, being love is really our doctrine. What do you believe in? We believe in love, loving God and loving others. But there's, uh, there's really powerful nuances uh, to that. And uh, going into a really spiritual level of that last week, we, just, we talked about this, this notion of baptism and what is that and, and what does that mean and, and, and uh, how, do we, how do we practice that and, and um, what does that mean for us in our, in our spiritual lives, in our walk with God, in our love for God? And so out of that, um, we had Corbin and Kim who said, hey, I want to do that. Uh, I want to experience that. And so we are super excited uh, for them. Boy, Corbin is ready to get in the water. <laughs> I love this. I love it. Yes. Um, and so that's what actually what we're going to do tonight. Um, uh, after I'm finished babbling for a while, uh, we'll, we'll have another song and then we'll get ready. And we're actually going to go up to the Littlefield Fountain uh, tonight, just a block up, and uh, we're going to do that uh, all together. So I'll give you a little more details on that here in a bit. But actually, what we're doing uh, tonight is transitioning. We're, we're changing gears just slightly uh, from going uh, through this, this really in-depth uh, look at what it means to love God. Why do we love God? How do we love God? Uh, to our idea of loving others. So love your neighbor as yourself. And so uh, we're going to uh, start that part of the semester tonight by uh, talking about community. Um, and, and where we were last week in, a, in part of what we were talking about in baptism, uh, we, we dove into the second chapter of Acts. And something really extraordinary takes place uh, in Acts chapter 2, and that's the day of Pentecost. And, and if, you, if you haven't read that, you don't know about that, it was, it was a, a day right after uh, uh, Jesus was, uh, it was, it was, uh, almost directly after Jesus was ascended uh, to heaven, and he had told the apostles to wait, just wait, wait on the on what is to come, and they had no idea what that meant. But they were together on this day in Jerusalem, uh, in this upper room, and something extraordinary happened. And it was the, the 
this wind came in and, and these tongues of fire landed on their heads and it was the Holy Spirit that had come from God. And they got up and they started all speak, they started speaking to this crowd that was gathered there in Jerusalem in all these different languages. Everybody heard uh, something in their own language. It was, it was a miraculous thing that took place. But it, it culminates with Peter uh, preaching this, uh, this very powerful sermon to the crowd that ultimately convicts them of what happened to Jesus. Uh, and he talks, about, uh, he talks about King David, he talks about Jesus, he talks about what happened. Uh, but he says, this thing happened to Jesus uh, that really should not have happened to him at your hands. But this is what took place. And there was a purpose to that. But still, you're guilty of what happened to him. And it says the people were cut to the heart, and they said, what do we do? And, and Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is a gift that's not just for you. It's for, for, for all uh, who are far off. So we talked about just what baptism means and that extraordinary step that we take in commitment to God uh, in baptism. But what happens from there is also extraordinary because I think we could have left it at that, right? It says about, about 3,000 are baptized that day, right? Boom, there's your... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the ultimate part of the story, right? The climax, right? There's your climax uh, of the story. And we, and we leave it there with this powerful image of all of these people baptized, roll credits, and we're done with that movie. And we're left in this just incredible state of being. Right? Well, Luke didn't leave it there. Luke wrote Acts. And even, even how the chapters are divided up in the Bible, we don't even end the chapter there. It goes on right after that, verse 42. Let's read this together. They, being this crowd of people that had been baptized, who were convicted in their hearts, uh, who had decided to com- become people who were followers of Jesus that day, they, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so in the story, I think it's always really significant uh, to find meaning in any kind of story or scripture, to think about what it doesn't say or what it doesn't do. And that gives you a little more insight or a little more light on what's actually being said. And I think what we don't see in this story, I think we, c- we could see it and we wouldn't hardly maybe think a different thing about it. And that is, 
a bunch of people get saved, a bunch of people go through baptism, and then uh, they give their lives to Christ, and then they go back home, and they carry on. That's not what happens to these people. That's not how this story goes. And we have to say to ourselves, why? Why doesn't it go like that? Because isn't that what we see all the time? Isn't that kind of how we go about things so much, right? We have a big experience or even a spiritual experience. Or s- who has that, who's had that church camp high, right? You've been there, right, some of you. You know, it's you're, you're so immersed in something that's so concentrated on the things of God and the wonder of God and worship of God. I mean, even like going to Gulf Coast Getaway is, a, is kind of an experience like that. And it's great. It's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But isn't it so easy to do something like that? Get your, just get your Jesus on, right? And then you go back home and everything's the same. I mean, that's kind of our story over and over and over and over. But it wasn't for these people, right? The story is not about what happens to people individually, but what happens to them together, right? This is, this is why it's extraordinary that Jesus made sure to add the love others part to his statement about the greatest commandment. He couldn't talk about loving God without talking about loving each other. And I want you to understand how significant that is, that Jesus himself could not talk about loving God without also talking about loving others, right? Because what was the question he was asked? What's the greatest commandment? Well, he could have told them, and he could have given them the right answer. The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind, period. But he was compelled to say, there's also more to that, right? So I want to talk about this notion of community and what community is really quickly. They laugh. They know me. It's going to be real fast, just the next 40 minutes. And I want to say just a couple things about community tonight. And community is our practice of loving others. Community is not a bonus to our spiritual lives. Community is not something that if you find it, if you if you get involved with a great group of people, then yay, that's excellent. Um, but that's kind of icing on this this cake of your uh, your relationship with God. No, it's not. Community is a necessity. It is not a bonus to our spiritual lives. It is a necessity. Scripture, as we, as we, especially as we read through the New Testament, as a New Testament people, right? Scripture is almost entirely written in the plural you, right? It says you a lot. Um, 
But when it says you, it's really using that plural notion of you, which for us is y'all, right? Y'all, right? Uh, you, so I want, you to, I want you to go through your Bibles, and when you see you, just scratch out and write y'all, right? Uh, that'll make it a little more accurate for us uh, linguistically, right? Um, you are not the body of Christ. You, singular, are not the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Let's hear this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all, what, baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. I could spend the next 20 minutes just camping on that. I won't. You're welcome. <laughs> and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body, right? We talked before about uh, being the bride of Christ, and that's part of our understanding of our relationship with God. But I also need you to understand in this context, it's not you that's the bride of Christ. not you. It's not you. It's not you. It's y'all, right? It's us. We, not I, we are the bride of Christ. We are that body that makes up the bride of Christ, right? Together, you are a part and it is absolutely essential that you always understand that you are a piece. You are a part. You are a component of a whole. And God wants you to be a part of that whole. Because without that whole, you are pretty useless. And he says, every part of the body is essential. And some people are the eye, some people are the hand, some people are the foot, some people are something else that you just thought about. Uh, but it's necessary, right? It's whatever you just thought about. It's necessary, right? <laughs> it's necessary. And he says, you, you, the part that you are, need to function in the body as that part because the body needs you.
It needs you. And you need the body. Community is not a bonus to our spiritual lives. It is a necessity. Community gives us opportunity to practice love and to receive love. Let's look at Romans 12. 10 through 16. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. What community does, if love is our ultimate doctrine, right, our ultimate identity as followers of Christ, community gives us the chance to learn things like when people are in need. You get, to, you get to be a part of something that teaches you how to recognize needs in other people. And when you recognize needs in other people, what does that then call you to? What's it call you to? To pay attention to those needs, right? Because the reverse is also true. Being part of community being invested in community gives other people the chance to see the needs that you have, right? And that's, that's as much why we do this as anything. Because I'm going to say it for you right now. Maybe this is presumptuous, and if it is, I'm sorry. You have needs right now. Right now, you need help somehow, some way. There's some part of you that needs help. And God wants you to be a part of the body. He wants you to be in community because God loves you and he wants you to have help. Right? That's, why, that's part of God's love for you. He wants that for you. That's why I tell you know, a lot of you I, I get with for the first time and I get to know you and and some of you say, you know, like, man, I just I'm just looking for I'm looking to be a, a part of a group or people or community. And I'm like, yes, I believe very strongly that God wants that for you. And because you want that and because God wants that for you. I believe he will bless you in that. And I believe God will always bless that desire if we have that because that is a core of what God wants for us. Community gives us opportunity to practice love and receive love. Now here's the truth, right? We read a... We read a um, 
a passage like the end of Acts chapter 2. We read other scriptures that uh, just talk about the, the beauty of being together in community, being one, being unified, being the body of Christ. But what's the reality that we know a lot? People are messy. People are a mess, right? The problem, and this is the problem with community, right, is it's made up of people. Like if it weren't for that, <laughs> community would be amazing, right? Right? Man. Uh, but this is why the practice of love is so critical, is because on some level, we're all a mess. We're all a mess, and we know that. We are acutely aware of that, right? And we're probably more acutely aware sometimes of how the person next to you is a mess. And that may be true, right? But you also are a mess. And we know that, right? We can all admit to that. I hope. I hope. Um, I'm a mess, right? But that's also why community is beautiful is because it's messy, and we get to practice in the midst of that mess, in the midst of the tension that we experience, in the midst of the conflict that takes place, in the midst of becoming so aware of what's wrong with somebody else, God says, that's your chance to love in the way that I have loved you. Go and do that. And it's not going to be easy. It's the very nature of it. It's not going to be easy. But guess what? Being hung on the cross for you was not easy. Right? And that's what I've done for you. Because I love you like that. And that's what I'm willing to do for you. Right? While we were still enemies. Christ died for us. Romans 5. And so, that's what we get to do. And you're like, <laughs> that is, oh, I'm really, I'm really motivated now. Right? You should be. You should be. Because it's, the, it's one of the most beautiful things that we get to experience is the love of of community and the way we get to invest in community and the people around us. And by doing so, we get to experience the very nature of God himself. Love. It's our